everybody. Welcome to another exciting Driven Hunter podcast brought to you by Mission Crossbows. Today we're with my wife and we're talking about this last season and just how unbelievable it was. It, it was really an incredible was. Incredible year, wasn't it? It was. I mean, in the 14 falls of us hunting together, I would personally say for everyone involved this year, it was our number one season we've ever had as far as quality of content, the, you know, harvests that we had. Just the animals we put on the ground, everything, like from point A to point Z, the locations we visited, I mean, it was immaculate. I would say by far it was the best of the best. Yeah, a lot of people ask us, how was our season? We're just like, huh. It was probably our best ever. And we said that last year. <laughs> right. Which is a good thing when you're doing TV and doing digital content. You always want to have great content. And this past year was like off the charts. Right. You personally had one of your better years and you shot your your first ever bull moose. At close range, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I mean, you know, like you said, from early part of the season, you know, all the way, you know, all the way up from in Northwest Territories, mm-hmm. all the way to late season archery hunting here at home. I mean, we just, you know, the chips fell where they may, and and we had great luck. Well, I think too. Over the years, we've kind of you know strategized now with our schedule. You've gotten really good at knowing at what point in time in the season we need to be here and we've got this many days to be there. And then when that's over, that's it. We got to throw in the chips. We got to go to, you know, the next place. And continuously we did that year after year, you're fine tuning and tweaking our schedule to the day of where we need to be in what location, you know, when different specific places are hot, when they're not that kind of thing. So, well, that's honestly, I think, you know, pre-planning and scheduling and some of it changes, you know, day to day. Right, right. You got to kind of roll with the punches, but I mean, scheduling and just being on the go and persevering all the way through the fall from start to finish is always the way you have success. And I've seen that ebb and flow over the years where, you know, we'll start, you know, maybe slow, but then in the end it picks up and it all comes Mm -hmm. together or it might, you know, be the opposite way. You might start really hot and then in the end, you know, you, you kind of finish slow. So all together, we got enough content, and this year, you know, we're great from start to finish. So Right. It seemed like every time we were leaving, the kids were knocking something down. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about that. Carson and I just did a podcast, and we talked about his success and and how the kids did, and it was amazing. Phenomenal, we, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in the middle of the season, but our season really kicked off, and those of you that are watching the podcast, can, of course, can see the examples. If you're listening, you can go and see the video version, which then shows you a little bit uh sneak peeks at some of these hunts Mm -hmm. which i think you'll probably enjoy so you know again if you're listening check check out the video version because um it has some pretty cool stuff that nobody has seen yet and we'll show you some sneak peeks to what's coming coming up on q3 or starting in july of our new season so we're pretty excited it all kicked off and of course, one of our favorite epic places to hunt, and that was in the Northwest Territories, hunting with Canal Outfitters, Glenda and Glenn up there. Mm-hmm. Um, what a insane place to go. Of course, we went back this year. Um, we wanted to do Mountain Caribou again. And this time we were taking our new Browning rifles to the field, which was uh, something, you know, that was awesome for us because mm-hmm. we had, you know, never shot Brownings before. And we were excited to put them to the test and get them out in the field and just see how they performed at long range. And these, 
you know, these rifles shot awesome. We're shooting the new X-Bolt long-range hunters. Um, I can't say enough, but, um, you know, we're after big caribou, and these caribou, they live in sheep country. (laughs) I mean, they live in the mountains. These are mountain caribou, um, and, of course, they got big tops. They got a lot of mass, big, you know, shovels and stuff. So, you know, you see, you don't see a ton of caribou like you would if you went to Quebec, but, um, you know, if you put in your time and you do a lot of glassing, sooner or later, you're going to lay your eyes on a great big one. I was going to say, we saw a lot of caribou this trip. Yeah, compared to past years. Right. We saw a lot. But we went to different, a different, a little bit different areas to find them. And I, it started out, you know, yours started out first. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously Glenn and Glenda have become second family to us. We've been hunting up there a third trip in a row now. And, you know, them and the kids and Glenda's mom and dad and just everybody there in camp have become like second family to us. And so going up there, we're always excited anyways. And there's nothing like flying in on that plane to base camp and just knowing, you know, looking down at the mountains and the scenery and just knowing you're getting ready to go out on an epic adventure. And, you know, even if it was the third trip there, it's like, it's so vast. You see something different every time. Right. And so, you know, flying in and landing is of course awesome to be able to see everyone. And then, you know, we flew out to where we were going to be hunting mountain caribou. And as Pat said earlier, it was a different spot than we'd been in the past couple years. And it was really cool. And just being able to fly in on the helicopter, land there. And there's something about that feeling inside of you when that helicopter takes off and leaves you there and you're stuck with your tent <laughs> and your pack of a few belongings that you brought trying to cut down on weight. You know you're there for the time being. That's rough and, Great. And, you know, but there's just some sort of sense of, you know, that it totally gets into your blood and (laughs) everybody's like, I just don't know how you can do it. I don't know how you can go out and wear the same pair of underwear for 10 days or... I was going to say, (laughs) uh, you know, my... The, my thought when that when that <laughs> helicopter hit the ground is I got to put up with my wife not showering for 10 days. Right. A female smells a lot better than a male, let and me mo- tell you. Oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, there's nothing like mountain caribou hunting up there. And so, you know, we got in that first night in Northwest Territories. You're not allowed to fly for a certain amount of hours after you land. So we always fly in in the evening, enough time to get our camp set up in daylight hours. Just sit there at camp, do a little spotting with our spotting scope there. So... You know, we did a little spotting and we actually spotted a nice bull that night. And so Cole said, you know, we're going to sleep on it. And the next morning um, we'll wake up and kind of see if we can spot him because we were in a good spot to be able to see for miles and miles where we were. And he said, if we can't see him from where we are here, then we'll hike up a couple miles up to another high spot and be able to spot, you know, some different other areas there. So it was like we woke up that morning to like a mad scramble. Cole's like, hurry, hurry. He's right there. He's right there. And he was only probably 400 yards from the tent when Cole woke up that next morning. It was right at first, yeah, he said he's in first gun, light. He's in gun range of us in, in our, our tents. tents. And so we're like trying to hurry up and, you know, get everything put together and stuff. And it was like a mad dash scramble getting ready. And uh, we by that time, we kind of had to let him feed off and kind of down the rise a little bit so we had enough elevate, you know, enough of a rise where he couldn't see us moving around at our tents and stuff and we'd spook him. So we had to let him go a little bit. And then yeah. We well, he got went, ready. yeah, he, he didn't stop right at the tents. No. I mean, he, 
one thing about caribou is they never quit moving. They're always they're, on the move. And, it, it and just, they move fast. <laughs> yeah, when we saw him the night before, he was across the, a big valley system, and he was on our side the next morning. By the time we got up and got ready, he was already moving off. Right. We probably had... Uh, half a mile to a mile hike from actually our tent to get at, you know, after him. But, um, like I said, we got ready in a quick hurry. Right. We didn't have time to, you know, get anything to eat, no coffee, no brush of your teeth, no nothing. It was on the go. And, uh, I remember coming over the rise and, uh, he was across this little valley and he was over there. He, that was the coolest part that I remember is he was licking, actually, he was stopped <laughs> licking on a caribou right. shed. And, I'd you never know. seen that before. Yeah. And I think that's kind of something cool about the footage. Yeah. He's just sitting there licking on this, this antler and then he, you know, moved off and then mm-hmm. we kept pursuing him. And then, you know, you put the, he got in a position where he got a good broadside and you put the hammer on him and then... Um, then the work really I was began. just going to say, yeah, that's when it all begins. So we spent the whole day just, mm-hmm. you know, getting him quartered up. And then, you know, then, of course, I had a tag. Um, so the the following day after we, you know, we uh, quartered him, we took, you know, you got to do everything to these mm-hmm. things. I mean, you can't leave any meat. And, I mean, we take we take it all on our backs back to camp. And got it back there. And we stashed it away from our tents and stuff because we, moved we it. were in yeah. grizzly bear country. Well, there there's tons of bears there. Yeah. And uh, we actually have footage um, from our tents right. of these two bears chasing caribou. Right. Uh, I mean, Which just right across the drainage from where we were. Right. They're I mean, right it would there. have taken no time at all for them to get over to our way. And, I mean, if you've been to Northwest Territories or even British Columbia... Both provinces do not allow bear hunting for grizzlies, and um, so it's what, crazy the number of them that we saw. Yeah, what happens is these bears are not afraid of humans, no. and actually, our guide from a couple years ago up at Canal, um, his name was Phil. He had lost; he had a hunter killed right in front of him, uh, a moose hunter. They were they were work starting to got a moose, mm-hmm. and a bear come out and grabbed hunter right by the neck and broke his neck and so this is real when you see him up there and the bears are not afraid of humans like they are in most places you well, gotta a lot take of them serious joke about it right i mean yeah. you know they're like oh you're in bear country what do you guys do and we're like it's no joke i mean and the guides too you know the guides have a gun wherever they go and same as us like when you're sleeping in your tent at night everybody knows you know you got to be on high alert it's not like you get a great night's sleep sound you know I mean you're it's it's like you're always on alert no matter what you hear anything at all and you're awake yeah and it's dead deafening quiet right so you would hear something a lot of times if it's outside but um yeah you're always afraid of grizzly bears mm-hmm. and you're always on the lookout. So are, so is the game. You know, I right. mean, they're, they're skittish of everything, too. So and now we have caribou meat. <laughs> yeah, we got fresh caribou, and we smell like fresh caribou. So, yeah, that night we slept a little uneasy. I, we got up the next morning, and we hiked looking for an, another big bull. Mm-hmm. We went up over the top of this big mountain. Oh, my gosh, yeah, that was and a hike. spotted this caribou at long range and then started to put a move on him, and we got really close, and something happened where they heard us or the wind and they blew out and went down across the big valley system and never quit running. Mm-mm. And we watched this big, there was one exceptionally really nice bull in full velvet. Um, 
and he was narrow, but he had really good tops and bottoms. And he went over the, the ridge with the rest of them. And for some reason, he didn't follow the other two. And he turned around and kind of come mm-hmm. back our way. And then as soon as we seen that, we, we decided, heck, you know, if we... If we turn around now, we can make it back to camp by dark. But if we go after them, there's a good chance that we'll spend the night on the mountain. Right. Um, if we yeah, don't Yeah, and get that's them. the choice as a hunter that you have to make a lot of times up in these places. I mean, you spot an animal and you get to a point in the day where, you know, the guide turns and looks at you and says, okay, we're at a point now where if we go after this animal, there's a 99.9% chance we're sleeping on the mountain tonight with no sleeping bags, no nothing, you know? Um, so there's a lot of times where you, as no a hunter, food, right, no tent, no nothing. I mean, you have to make, you have to make a choice and that's, we've gotten smart enough over the years now and done it enough where you throw in a couple extra candy bars or, you know, you have an extra coat or something yeah. to, to just save your life if that does happen and you do end up on the mountain overnight and can't be, get back to your spike camp. But that's kind of the situation we got in with your caribou. Yeah, well, we spent the night on the mountain twice now without anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, even without water. So we already accustomed to mm-hmm. maybe doing that. So, of course, you know what? Um, being driven means, hey, you just can't turn around. <laughs> we dove off the mountain right after the caribou and... Um, put on about another mile and we caught up to this caribou in a rainstorm and um it was rain and snow and leading sideways on us yeah and, and this this caribou was on the move and he was crossing a valley and he got over it on the other side and i just smashed him with that six five x bolt and um he didn't go he went Mm-mm. right to the ground no, i was gonna say you just dropped him yeah and then we were all excited because we <laughs> knew that we could you know, hopefully get the chopper in that night to get caribou we were up and us still, but <laughs> get us back to base camp, and that's what happened. I mean, we we uh, we definitely we, lucked out because the weather could have went that direction too towards base camp, and it couldn't have you know it could have been bad weather for him to fly and not be able right. to come in to get us. I mean, leave, we look so. like ninjas with our outdoor <laughs> edges. We were just <laughs> chopping this thing up as fast and as quick as and possible. I was keeping it, and the other guy was quartering, and we were. Trying it was a teamwork for sure, yeah. Got the thing processed, but anyways, and then I spent, and then Nicole decided when she got her caribou down, she flew all the way back home because Cashin's first day of preschool. That's right. Being part of uh, the mom and the family thing, we had to do that and get <laughs> yeah. back for the kids. But then I stayed, and she punted for I think six or seven more days, and we came close. We hiked our butt off, and we finally saw a shooter ram. And we ended up blowing him up over the top of this ridge. And then we spent the remainder days looking for that ram. Passed on some smaller ones, but came yeah. home with a sheep tag sandwich, which ugh, I hate. They're, they're nasty tasting. <laughs> Especially on a hunt like that. You know, you put so much time and effort into going to a location like that. And it's not that there were lack of sheep, but just weather elements. There are so many things that yeah. were playing against us on the hunt. And oh, it's, it's just, just part of it. You, 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 All you do is climb and yep. you look for these things. And I mean, nobody can take that away from you. It's, it, you're not spoon fed any <laughs> type of animal. This hunt is the hardest in North America, in my opinion. I'm giggling uh, at some of the my things cameraman. That, I was just gonna say I'm giggling at some of the things they came home and told me about. <laughs> my cameraman, I'll never forget. Uh, my cameraman Aaron, we were climbing because we would climb probably three thousand to four thousand vertical feet per day, and of course you wake up in the morning, you're sore from the day before, you're tired, you don't feel like even moving. You, you get out and you have some, you know, you try to warm up 
a little bit of a water so you can have something <laughs> warm. But you, your day starts out miserable because it's you know straight straight upwards, and you you know can climb. We we're climbing most days for six seven hours straight straight up mm-hmm. to you know four thousand yeah, vertical happy feet. I went home. <laughs> but. It wasn't funny. It wasn't nothing to laugh about because when we He's get, texting me and calling me from the satellite phone. It was it was brutal and in the end again we came home empty handed. And that's just sometimes it goes that way. I've right. I've had more sheep hunts that went that way than have had success. So unless I take my wife and then she shoots out the first day, that's the easy one. But uh I'm like one and done. That's good. So anyways, that was our first hunt. So yep. we we came home with two beautiful mountain caribou and nothing to sneeze about. Lots of great caribou right. meat and memories. Um and someday we'll go back, I'm sure, and hunt with Glenda and, and Glenn again up at Canole. Absolutely. Yeah. Great people. Yeah. Um the next hunt that we did, we um we came home. What did we do next? I don't even remember. I think it was Kentucky, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think we were home for maybe a whole 24 hours. I come even. home and Olsen <laughs> had to gear up from like living in cold snow conditions to going to hot, really hot, right. humid like weather. Yeah, and uh, we're going to Kentucky. We're hunting with our good friends out there, John and Ryan and, mm-hmm. and everybody. And um, Kenny and everyone. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Robbie, and all Robbie. Them. Yep, all those guys just have become our second family out there. And um, they got quite an elk spot out there. Right. He, last year shot a monster yeah. bull. Nick, we nicknamed Tank, or they nicknamed Tank. And so I was looking forward to finally having the tag myself. Because, right, yeah, you wouldn't let me hunt this year. <laughs> yeah, right. And we're hunting this year. It wasn't with rifles like last year. You got to hunt with a rifle. Yep. We came earlier, so it was archery only, which, of course, adds a whole different element you can use a crossbow, but you also have to use, if you're going to, you got to use archery equipment. So I use my Matthews verdicts and, uh, yeah, it, it was not an easy hunt because it was so warm. The bulls weren't bugling. And they weren't moving very far. Either. No. I mean, there were, there was very little movement in the morning from feed to, to bed. Right. And it was, we knew if we we're going to have to be aggressive, if we we're going to get a, a shot at one. And they had had trail cameras of several really nice mm-hmm. bulls. Um, so we knew they were there. It was just a matter of trying to get on one. Right. So you hunted the first two days yep. and really didn't have much for luck. And then you left and went home to go with Cash in and, and go back to school. And then I stayed with Aaron and we hunted hard. And um, like on the fourth day, we we ended up hearing this big bull and really got aggressive in the early morning hours. I was going to say, you, I remember you calling saying, we got to change up the game plan, do something different, because these elk are just not moving. Well, we figured out finally where he was just by a bugle. And once he bugled, we're like, we could tell his deep right. growl. We're like, man, that's him. It's got to be him. So um, he was just a big typical with lots of mass. So... We kind of figured in the morning, if we got in there really early, like hours before daylight, and just sat and listened in the dark, he would probably bugle again because mm-hmm. he bugled that one time at night. So we got in there real early, and sure enough, he bugled well ahead of daylight. So that kind of gave us a pinpointing direction to get you know in tighter. Right, right. And that's what we did. We zoomed in and got in tight on him and uh, 
got right in his bedding area. <laughs> I think and... your reaction is probably my favorite of all of them this year. <laughs> well, you're you're already spoiling it. You've already told people that my reaction's good. I mean, so we get in. Let me let me tell the story. You tell your story. I'll tell mine. Uh, we get in there in this bedding area, and it's so thick you can't see not even ten feet in front of you. I mean, it's just it's just thick. And I could smell elk. I could smell him. I'm like, we are in close. And all of a sudden, right about that, I looked over and this cow was coming kind of in our direction. I'm like, I told Aaron, don't move. And he's like, what do I do about the tripod? I said, take the camera off the tripod and just put it on your shoulder. And we're just going to stand here because it's so close. You don't have to zoom. You'll be wide. And sure enough, this cow comes like right in front of us at five to 10 yards. She don't see us. She walks right by. Because it's so thick in there. And this bull is right behind her. And he's just, you know, making all these grunting noises. And I can see just flashes of antler. And I'm like, God, look, you know, looks like him for sure. And then he is at this bush forever. And I'm thinking, please don't smell me. I mean, he's so close. I ain't even breathing. And finally, I just said this prayer. And about, you know, it seemed like God answered it. Because like seconds later, he just turns and comes right out in this, just this little opening enough that I had a, you know, a clear shot to his shoulder behind his shoulder. And I, you know, just drew back and, and let my, my blood spark fly and it just smoked him. And I knew I had him as soon as I saw my arrow hit him. And we heard him crash through and stop and fall down. And like you said, my reaction was kind of goofy, but it was, it was priceless because I'm like, it was in shock. I'm like, we did it in in the worst conditions ever, and we just smoked the biggest elk on the mountain. Well, it just goes to show, too, getting aggressive. I mean, there's times to get aggressive, and there's time to be, to be patient, right? And right. that was a time, like you said. I mean, you were down to only a, two days left of hunt, the hunting, and all four days had been the exact same thing. It was so hot. I mean, you couldn't even walk 100 yards without sweating to death. I mean, it was so hot. The bulls weren't bugling. They weren't moving. So it was just one of those things where you knew you had to change up the game plan to even have a remotely a shot at one. And if you can't, getting if, close. And if you can't see the elk visually or hear them, you're pretty much, I right. mean, you're pretty much hooped. You're right. not going to have much for luck if, right. if you can't make a game plan. But fortunately, he... He bugled and gave us uh, gave us his, his location away, and and we just went on a you know kind of a, a hunch and got in tight on him, and that's being I I learned one thing a long time ago about elk hunting. If you're aggressive, you know, there's more times you're going to be successful than unsuccessful because I've seen a lot of people that are more timid, and they they just are timid try to get in and they kill a fair number, but the guys that kill the big bull the herd bulls are super aggressive. Mm-hmm. They get right in amongst them. And, of course, they blow a lot of deals, but they also, you know, put their tags around some big herd bulls. So that's what we were, and, I mean, it paid off. Mm -hmm. And we got, you know, got a big bull on the ground. This bull could be potentially a new state record. He's 10 inches green, scored 10 inches bigger um, than the previous state state archery record. So um, I need to get him officially scored now, and I haven't – I don't – really score a lot of my animals but i should get this one done just because he's right in that re you mm-hmm. know area he's like he grows like around 384 85 ish so really stud of an elk and he's right. got lots of points you know and a it's lot funny of because just starting hunting kentucky the last couple of years you know we never even 
really knew a lot about elk hunting in Kentucky, and oh. it's just been phenomenal. So, so it's, it's a sleeper state. It's looking just, forward to again this year. The difficulty is getting a tag. Yeah, tags sure. tags are hard to come by, you know, and and you just got to be able to get lucky and get a tag. So, um, anyways, we but they're great. They've became great friends of ours too. And Emma ended up shooting an elk later on in the season. Yeah, that's right. We she weren't did. there, but yeah, so she ended up shooting her first elk later on, which was so cool because she was with her dad Brian and her grandpa John. And that's pretty awesome to be able to have that experience and that. And she's such a well-rounded. She reminds me so much of myself. She's girly. She's you know, way better than you. <laughs> she probably, Actually, she is. But she's girly, but yet she loves to get outside and get her fingers dirty and go hunting and enjoy stuff with her dad and her grandpa. So it's really cool to see. Yeah, a beauty queen and a hunter. That's well, right. I, what a combo. I'm huh? trying to talk my sons into maybe <laughs> being a little more interested on that one. Um, That's but funny. anyways, that was, that was a good start to the, right. the season. And then, uh, then we went where we to came the home for a couple of days and then we were packed up and headed to the Yukon for moose hunting. My first ever archery moose hunt, I've hunted a couple times prior and we did bring the Browning along as well, but I've been on two previous moose hunts and have tried my hardest to get one with a bow and the very last day shot one with a rifle. So Pat's like, we're going to bring this rifle just in case. And I'm like, I just want to really get one with the rifle again. <laughs> I'm like, I just really want to get one with my bow. You know, this is my third trip and I just really want to seal the deal with a bow. So the first few days were tough. And, and I got to, I got to throw something in there because on most of these trips, I had a secondary tag and it always came down. Nicole's still hunting on the last That's day. That's well, why guess he wanted what? me to bring the rifle. That's <laughs> and I always get the shaft and never get to shoot a secondary bow because she's still hunting. Well, this year was no different. I had a secondary tag and I'm like, please Lord, let us try to get one with a with a bow and arrow. And first couple of days we It was tough. We flew in. It, this was a total remote uh, wilderness hunt yep. in on a river system. We use jet boats, and if you've watched Driven, you've seen several up of these Caesar hunts Lake, yeah. up at Caesar Lake hunting with the Wilkinsons. Uh, probably our best hunt. Uh, we have lots of great hunts. Um, but, but we've one been of my hunting with them hunt. for the longest. I'd What, nine or ten years, I'd say? A long period yeah, of time. a long time. Gotten to know these guys, and they're, they're just become our They are, yeah. Mama family. Ruth is what I call her. I mean, that's they all are. Yeah, they're, they're just super people. But we... There's not a, a year um, uh, that I would say that I wouldn't go moose hunting. I mean, there I like hunting year after year. It's kind of like whitetail hunting. If you took whitetail hunting out of my uh, hunting repertoire, I would probably really miss it. And same right. with moose hunting. So I like going every year. But anyways, we got to kind of shorten our story. We're going to be here forever. <laughs> but So we hunted hard the first couple of days. And then... Um, like on the fourth or fifth morning, I believe. Mm-hmm. What was it? I think it, it was day five. My cam- cameraman was with us. He, he knows. <laughs> was it day six? I mean, seriously, the first four or five days, it was tough. I mean, there were a full a couple bulls that we had calling and stuff, but it was just difficult. The weather, everything oh. was warm. Day six, that morning we woke up and our guy Jordan said, Today is going to be a good day. It would frosted. It was a heavy frost that morning yep. when we had woke up. And Jordan had said, it's going to be a good day. It should kick these bulls in. And that's exactly where we're going up the river. Yeah. It was a cold, right. you know, high-pressure morning, right. you know, with heavy frost. So, yeah, Heavy frost, sun was shining, going up the river, just beautiful. And Jordan spotted this bull bedded down on the riverbank and uh, on the sandbar there. 
and we just, you know, tried to get around and get up to the bank far enough. We, it was in a spot there on the bank where we could bank off without him seeing us. We were still far enough. I'm a lot lost of ta- with your directions on this one. <laughs> a, well, a lot bank of times, off, I don't know. People well, are like, a lot what, of times when the river, about? when you bank around, they could be right there. Well, there was, was a bend still, in the river which allowed us to right to there get was to that room. point um, in the bend where we could set up uh, our other camera. Um, we Couple brought Jared yards away, yeah. yeah, so he could kind of see the the bull, which was still bedded down when we got to that point. And then we dropped down and got down on his level on the sandbar, and we had about two hundred yards to gain to get up to where we wanted to set up and call at the bull, which is another hundred yards away from um, that setup location. So all in all, it was three hundred yards, and we're at the bend of the river. So we we hustled down there. We get down there, and we're like getting almost up to where we wanted to set up because we had found... It's kind of depth perception, too, yeah, though. We, Everything changes when you're actually down in there. We found a spot where we <laughs> wanted to get to our bush that we kind of wanted to make it to. And when we were getting close, we're like, I think that's the bush. And all of a sudden, we heard the bull grunting. We're like, oh, mo- oh boy. And now we went into <laughs> panic mode because we're like, if he's up grunting, he wasn't grunting when he was laying there. So now he stood up and he's moving or something. So we got to hurry up and set up. So we Wait. just kind of... Nicole and I just looked at like over and found like a bush that we could hide behind was just a willow bush. It was half. Well, we had to keep that between us and him too. Cause I mean, yeah. So we hid behind it and just kind of knelt down. And then the, and then the guide went, you know, another 50 yards behind us into another willow bush and kind of tucked in and started immediately started cow calling because we didn't want the bull to walk off. And we didn't know if he had a cow, but uh, the guide made a call and that bull, it was instant. Like, turned around on a dime <laughs> and started our way. And I remember kind of like, kind of could see through that willow bush and I could see him coming and I, we could definitely hear him. He's like, Whoa. we're on our hands and knees. you trying to get as low Whoa. as possible. And he's coming right at, like our bush is out in the middle of the sandbar and he's coming right at the bush. So <laughs> Nicole is facing this way. And of course I'm facing this way, but we don't know if he's going to go on the left of the to bush the or the right. right. So yeah. at one point we're like, go to the left. He's coming to the left. And we get switched around, and all of a sudden he's like, no, I think he's going back to the right, and the bull's not even five yards away. Now, maybe a little bit more, maybe not less than 50 yards away. Right. He's coming in, and uh, finally we're like, okay, we're going to stay focused on the right because it looks like he's going the right. And sure enough, and I told Nicole, I said, whatever you do, when you, this bull comes like close, and when you pull back, you got to draw slow. So this bull is coming, and he's like getting within 10 yards of us, and, and she, he clo- no, he closes the distance to five and he stops. No, she yanks the string off the bow, <laughs> which he then catches movement in the bush. And instead of like drawing slow, she was so jacked up. She just about yanked the string right completely off the, the I don't cans. know it was that much, but oh, he likes to over-exaggerate. It. But anyways, this, but this, this moose has stopped like not even three steps from, I mean, he's literally right on the other four, side of the three, bush. Three, four steps. And I can hear like his breathing, his nostrils going in and out. And I'm like, you know, he's close whenever you can hear, like you could hear like the deepness of his, just his breath. He wasn't even making any noises, just his breathing. And I was like, oh my gosh, my you heart sure was that wasn't going your crazy. Heart? <laughs> my heart was going crazy. I could hear your heart. And finally he committed and started coming. And then, oh, the video, just... I'm, I'm over her shoulder running one camera. The other camera's couple hundred yards away up on the bank filming from another angle and this bull 
is like behind the bush at first, and he just comes walking. I don't up know how looks... long I held full draw. She's I have no idea. But... Uh, at least a minute, because we have a time code running. <laughs> I know. I was just saying my prayers because my arms were dying. <laughs> and that bull, when he walks out, he kind of he's looking down at us. We're so close, and he, you know, they're so tall, and he's looking down, and we're just crouched down, and she's at full draw. Well, you know, an and... animal's close when you have to look up at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's aiming, and I'm filming right over her shoulder. I'm up, and then he kind of stops, and he's right behind his vitals. Right, he has this like one little branch covering his vitals, and I'm, she's like, wait, wait, wait. And, you know, we're waiting. She's not shooting because she didn't want to. Obviously, that, aren't that talking branch. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, she, you did a perfect job. I mean, I don't know how you held it together. I don't think I could have done it. And this bull, she's just aiming and waiting, and. The and of bull. course, I can't shake or anything. I'm trying not to shake at least because he's staring right at us. Yeah. All of a sudden, it seems like he postured because after he's looking at us and he's studying us, and I think he thought we're wolves crouched down because then he just kind of like postures, like swaggers into position like he's in ready in fight mode. And did you notice and that in the moment? I didn't notice I didn't it notice. I just seen watched. like he committed and he walks right. right out in the wide open. And of course, Nicole's like right on him and just drills this bull perfect. <laughs> I think I was more happy I could <laughs> let my bow down. I've been holding it for so darn long. It is probably one of the most <laughs> epic kills that I've ever filmed and... Uh, you know, it would win best big game footage of the year for sure if they still had the Golden Mooses. Right. But, I mean, th this thing, as soon as it she smokes it, it turns and runs right out in the sandbar. And I I look, and it, there's just, like, big puffs of steam coming out of both holes on each side as he's breathing. And he just starts immediately swaggering and sidestepping, and then he just drops and, uh, I mean... She, her reaction you talk about my reaction <laughs> your reaction is priceless because the bull drops and she drops down and starts like hysterically kind of sobbing crying <laughs> laughing i don't know what what you had going on there but i don't either actually you were you were just hyperventilating and it was all over because you knew you had your bull because he was laying behind you right. at 50 yards and i'm like hey come out of it, you know? And, and all of a sudden you like realize our guide comes running up there and you just bear hug this guy like crazy. And it's it was the awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun. It was probably one of the coolest moments of hunting history that we got for driven. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, of course then just like caribou, I mean, once they hit the ground, right, the work begins, you have all these, you know, this recovery stuff and, and just cutting this thing up and, and getting it all processed. And they do it right up there. Like Joel has his guides in check with exactly what they have to do with the moose and everything after you, you know, get it taken care of. Jordan was awesome. He's been well-versed, obviously, well-trained with Joel. He makes sure all of his guides, you know, know exactly what to do when that moose is down. And, you know, it was a full day's worth of work that we knew we had to do. And yeah, you're, you're immediately look, of course, this is right away in the morning, so right. we know we have the whole day. But still, you still have a lot to do, right? If it was in the <laughs> afternoon or later in the evening, right. there's no way you can process a moose in just an hour right. or two. So we have the whole day to, to just relax in the sandbar and cut this moose up. We shot it was her. nice. We had a fire and we ate some lunch. You had a fire. <laughs> Jordan and I did most of the work, but... Yeah, I mean, they lay the tarps out. You quarter this thing up. Right. You take everything, ribs, right. brisket, neck, everything. everything. When you leave, all it, and you debone the legs, so there's just 
leg bones there mm-hmm. and and a pile of intestines mm-hmm. and that is it mm-hmm. and it's pretty amazing right. and uh yeah got the whole moose process back in the boat took it back hung it on the meat poles covered it up that's so the coolest part you know just coming back to camp and bringing all that and then that night of course we fried up some fresh tenderloin oh, that's and best. we ate like kings and queens that night yeah you know we stay in this little comfortable little cabin mm-hmm. that are built along these rivers so that's joel has i think that's the best part about going to right. caesar lake everybody that i know that goes hunting with them enjoys these little you know small cabins that Absolutely. are built strategically along these river systems so you're not ever staying in a tent and, and you're always right. warm at night and got a nice warm place to sleep and, and a hot meal but uh yeah i was most excited more about i had a tag <laughs> and i still had two days right. to get it done so that next day, well, it was it two days or one no, day? No, it was the next day that you that Did we, we had. You had two left. I had two yet. days, and uh, so we decided, you know, to get up the next day and and get after it again, and and that's what we did. We got up the next morning, and uh, we saw a big bull really close to camp, but he was right. with a cow, mm-hmm. and we didn't get a lot of footage of him, but he was a giant, and I would have shot him and been so happy, but. Um, fortunately, you know, just like a whitetail buck, he was just yeah. more interested in the cow he's with than, right. than us. So, um, we didn't, we never seen him again. And then we're traveling up river and we're just, you know, under full power with a jet boat. And all of a sudden we come around this corner and there's this bull bedded on the bank, mm-hmm. kind of like yours was. And but like we're right like, there. Oh my gosh, we just <laughs> never even let off the power. We just zoomed by him. Right. And we went up on the other side of the river and we put dock the boat and then we snuck back on the other side and we got kind of watching him and we called at him and he just didn't act in he didn't act interested in us at all which was kind of weird we thought because it's full it's full rut is on they he should hear a cow call and get up especially when he's by himself but he just kind of laid there tired and exhausted like and didn't really care about us so I told uh, our guy, Jordan, I said, let's just get in the boat and let's just drift down, drift, uh, not under power at all. Right. Let's just drift down to right where he is. And if he's not where I can see him out of the boat, we'll I can to... then slip out of the right. boat and then get quietly on the shore and then sneak up over the bank and probably be within bow range. Right. So kind of mark the spot. We're slowly kind of paddling down the river this is where it gets interesting of course my wife is not paddling she's just walking around and jordan's paddling and all of a sudden my wife is like patrick he's right there and i like i know where he is patrick's like yeah i know and he keeps I keep paddling, paddling I'm like, and no he's she's like, right there he's right there and i'm like i know where he is like we got to get to that log because that's the log i marked you know and all and then she's like, no, you dummy. He's standing <laughs> right there looking at us. And I'm like, <gasps> I look up and I'm like looking up uh, up out of the boat, up at, uh, at him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's right there. So, I mean, he's, he's already in bow range. Right. So, I, and it's legal to, to shoot out of the boat as yep. long as it's not under power. So, of course, we're drifting and motor's off. I just set down the oar. And I just grab my bow and I have to knock an arrow and I'm just like falling apart because I mean, <laughs> he's standing there. And I get an arrow knocked, and we just kept drifting, and we drift right into a perfect position where he's broadside. I pull back and smoke him. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
one thing about that I'll never forget about this bull is when I hit him, I, I he was like he was in a fight with another one. He thought this other one had gored him, so he starts spinning around and he got an he has an arrow right through his lungs. He starts spinning around and kicking and flailing and well, he was know, kind of quartering too. So your arrow exited out right above his back hip on the opposite side, and it was almost like you said. It's almost like he thought he was in a fight with another bull or something. I've never seen an animal do what he did. I mean, he was. It was like a horse, but times fifty. Like and the thing everything. was, I mean, just kicking like crazy. Snapped a big tree about like this. Just snapped it in half. About like it three was inches nothing. around, four yeah, inches around. Yeah, like just, it was nothing. Yeah, and he, and then of course I had time to you know, knock another arrow. I shot him again uh, behind the lungs. So I have two arrows two in perfect him. Shots. And he's yeah. still spinning around. And I'm like, well, I'm going to keep shooting. So I'm getting ready to shoot again. And this this moose bails off the bank <laughs> right, at, right at us. And I'm talking. <laughs> Chaos broke loose. <laughs> yeah. Nicole has a gun. She almost shoots me. I'm like, don't shoot. Don't shoot him. And uh, little did she know there wasn't one even in the chamber. And the bull run gets in the water by us. My cameraman freaks out. Kind of camera goes up in the air for a second. We kind of miss him coming off the bank into us. And uh, it was just chaos, like like she said. I have another arrow already knocked. And this bull stops in the water looking at us, and I drill him again. And as soon as I put that other arrow into him, that was it. Right, And right. he And I he, think he was done anyways. He was just oh, running yeah. on adrenaline because you had two perfect shots into him. But... Yeah, the, it was amazing to see so the way he, he reacted. Right, and he falls in the water. Two years in a row. Starts floating. <laughs> d- you know, the current's going, and he starts floating downstream. We have to grab him. You can get him tied up. And then, we, you know, the real right. work began. We had to get him all the way back into shore. And once one thing I learned about a moose, they float when they're in deep water. But once they start touching, which is about five feet, right? you know, five feet deep, they're, Forget their it, it's dead weight. Yeah, it's like pulling yeah. it's like pulling a semi across the cement, right. you know, when it's flipped on its side. So we're we're pulling, and we got to come along out, and we we finally got him up onto dry land enough that we could work on him. And of course, we spent the rest of the mm-hmm. day, you know, getting this thing all cut up with our outdoor edges. And it was an exciting couple days there. But boy, <laughs> the pressure was off. I mean, you talk about filling the freezer in a quick hurry. Right. That's a lot of moose meat. I mean, we put... It was the most successful trip we've had, but also probably the least amount of sleep we've had on a hunt, too. <laughs> yes, because... We, yeah. Oh, yeah. How could I you ever are, forget this? You are following along this, there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right. I was sleep deprived, and it wasn't because we worked hard because we shot two moose, and we spent all day processing these things, and we're exhausted. It wasn't was not that it was totally because my flipping wife i don't want want to say too many bad words but yeah it seems that uh, the mouse had taken up residency i think jordan put him in there on purpose mice had taken up residency over the past year since we've been there on our last trip oh my gosh i mean it was invaded and uh i think they're having a family reunion (laughs) <laughs> Nicole was having no part of it. If you ever been around her, seen you know that she's afraid of mice. And these, we didn't bring traps, so now we're on our own to try to devise. Now they're trying to make the Yukon trap or whatever they call it. The yeah, we tried Yukon the mouse the, the five gallon bucket water trick, and we could not make them. <laughs> well, we found out we we're kind of doing it wrong, so we weren't catching them that way. So we ended up putting a bottle, a uh, box of bottles 
that in cans and stuff that we were getting for garbage in, and we had that kind of stuff full. And then we put that in more of a corner. We put the bait in the back corner. And when they would go back in there, the funniest part we would was sneak see- up and jam the box up tight to the corner and smash them. And the we got a couple of them. The was to see the guys in their undies in the middle of the night getting up and stalking these little mice for me. Thanks, honey. That's how much you love me. Our guy, Jordan, the, one, the last morning we were there, he said his wife had I naturally look good in my underwear anyways. <laughs> Chasing mice, I should look better to you than I do naturally. His wife, Liz, they had a newborn at home and his wife Liz had texted him and said it's pretty bad whenever she's getting more sleep at home with a newborn than I am here with you oh yeah our guide was ready to leave (laughs) us walk out quit and just quit guiding all together just because so we vowed this year to bring about 50 mousetraps in prior to us coming good lord that was terrible the population before we we were so tired we were delirious (laughs) but we had fun we fished we caught like Lots of fish. Awesome. I caught bigger fish than you did. Whatever. <laughs> but we <laughs> I had caught we, Walter. <laughs> we, yeah, you did catch Walter. Um, coincidentally, but uh, fried we had up s- fish every night. It was awesome. Fresh moose meat, and we brought home lots of moose. And we, the the moose that we could not bring home, and we brought all we could. We brought back straps and tenderloins, and then the back straps are bigger than me. So, <laughs> and we donated the rest of it to the local community, yep. which is a native community, and they love moose meat course it all went to great use and that's that's the best part about it and getting the just getting it all the way back and there's such a process that sometimes in tv you don't get to show all that because you don't have enough time yeah you're pretty much the hunt or the show ends at the you know the recovery so there's a lot of work that goes into it but rewarding we even had to build another meat pole because we didn't have enough room to hang all the meat i mean it was just a really cool experience i mean being out there in the middle of nowhere like he's saying and living off the land it was really cool to be able to experience that but yet you still have a little comforts of home you have a nice cabin to come back to with a wood stove you know and you have your two burner coleman propane stove where you cook dinner at night and things so you at least have a place to get out of the cold and the wet environment right. and dry out and you know it's nice yeah we'll be going back every year caesar lake in the yukon is Absolutely. a home away from home for us even if it has mice. first again this year shooting yeah. another one yeah we'll see about that <laughs> um anyways we'll, we'll definitely be going back again yeah for sure so we're only three hunts into it and we're all already over on time so we're gonna make this a two-parter Um, we're going to talk about how our whitetail season went right after we come back, but, uh, yeah, so far so great on the season and, uh, make sure everybody tunes into part two of the season. It was an incredible year and we will continue the stories, even some mice stories as we come back.